0: Hey, Northridge, so glad you're here this weekend. And if you're a guest, I'm so excited that you chose to be here. We are one church meeting in four locations, but this weekend, as a part of our Unforgettable series, it's like God's authored some perfect timing for us. We're in a country that's experienced some unbelievably difficult racial tension. It's, it comes with no easy answers or no easy solutions, but I really do believe that Jesus does offer us hope. He's the one that gives us the potential to come together and have unity because he's the one that showed us unconditional love. And this weekend, our guest communicator is really no guest at all. He's a part of Northridge family. He's a great friend of mine. He's built a tremendous inner-city youth ministry in Chicago, and then God brought him here to Detroit where he's made a huge impact as the pastor of Citadel of Faith Covenant Church. And I have to tell you, I'm so excited about what he has to say because he's a realist, but he knows Jesus. And so, my good friend, a brother in every sense of the word is here, and I want you to give a big welcome. He needs no introduction. Harvey Carey.
1: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we give our Lord Jesus Christ... A big hand of praise. He's worthy. He's worthy. Amen. I, um, I, I just could not avoid the temptation of sitting on the porch. I mean, I'm serious. Uh, Yesterday, I came from backstage on the side, but I just had to chill in the rocking chair. Northridge does it up big, and it is always an honor and a privilege, a joy to be here. I really uh, thank God for the leadership of this ministry and uh, at all the campuses. We're so grateful to have really streaming live with us, Brighton and Celine, and we're so grateful for all of you that are streaming live, and we just want to really be reminded of what uh, Brad mentioned, that even though our nation is in a very uh, tough place, uh, our world really, uh, it's really only those of us who are believers, those of us who really hold the answer uh, that are able to really touch the hearts of people. Uh, We know that uh, we've got to make right choices in our voting, and we've got to make right choices with, you know, government. All those things are important, but we can't throw money, and we can't throw strategy at broken hearts. The only thing that can change a heart is Jesus Christ, and if we can be the church and do that, we can make some great progress. Amen. Let's get right, if we could, to the Word of God today, so those of you that are taking notes, we encourage you to follow along in Mark chapter 5, Mark's Gospel, the fifth chapter and we're going to start at verse 25 of Mark's Gospel. And it opens with these words And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd. And touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you asked, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. I want to look at the final verse again. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. As is my custom, I enjoy uh, us getting to know each other a little bit. And I know, again, for all the antisocial people, this is a moment that you hate. But just get over it and, you know, deal with life. Uh, I I want you to turn to somebody next to you and someone near you and help announce the subject of the message. So you're going to turn in some direction to somebody near you and just repeat the title of the message, all right? So turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. It's always funny. Somebody still doesn't do it. They're still looking. Okay, it's all right. It's all right. Turn to your neighbor and just say to your neighbor, neighbor, have you experienced an unforgettable touch? All right, I want to talk about an unforgettable touch. All of us, all of us have in one way or another been deeply impacted by something in our life. Something that has occurred, sometimes good, sometimes bad, but something that occurred along the way that kind of changed the trajectory of our life. As I was thinking about this and and trying to think of some examples, I remember it was in fifth grade that Sister Madonna at my uh, elementary school, St. Elizabeth, uh, did something that literally changed the trajectory of my life. Uh, I was, believe it or not, I was a shy kid. I, I did not enjoy uh, public speaking or being in front of crowds. And uh, Sister Madonna said to me, she said, I'm going to enter you into a speech contest. I said, Sister Madonna, I don't want to do it. I don't like speaking in front of people. I don't like crowds. She said, I'm going to do it anyway. And because of Sister Madonna, that one, uh, that one moment of fate that she saw something in me that I did not see it in myself, it began the trajectory. As a matter of fact, I won first place for that uh, speech contest, uh, but but it was Sister Madonna, it was Sister Madonna in fifth grade in Chicago who saw something in me, and that, that touch of confidence that she had in me changed the trajectory of my life. I remember in uh, high school, uh, in my sophomore year, the end of it, 1982, uh, I had a chance to meet my wife, uh, who was my girlfriend then, and it was love at first sight, she saw me, she loved me. She's not here to share the real, probably, story of that, uh, but, but, but I remember that one encounter changed again the trajectory of my life. Meeting the love of my life, meeting my wife changed the trajectory of my life, but more importantly than all of those things, my freshman year at college at Northwestern University as I uh, left the party one night kind of hopeless, kind of aimless, wondering what is life all about. Uh, Jesus Christ gloriously saved me a Friday night about one in the morning and literally changed the eternal trajectory of my life. I believe that all of us, when we encounter God and encounter Christ, we are never left the same. All of us who desire to have a more meaningful life, a more fruitful life, a a more purposeful life, all of us desire to see those things change, but oftentimes don't want to do those things that bring about that change. We want to see our lives become better. We want to see the trajectory of the direction of our life go in a, in, a, in a different way, but we oftentimes don't know what to do for that to happen. This woman in the text today finds herself in a very similar situation. I want to talk about uh, three things today, all right? An unforgettable reality, an unforgettable reality an unforgettable response, an unforgettable response, and finally an unforgettable realization. so three things we 're going to lift up from from different parts of our scripture today first of all we 're going to talk about an unforgettable reality, secondly, an unforgettable response, and finally an unforgettable realization. The unforgettable reality is birthed uh, in the beginning of our uh, dialogue in the text. This says a woman uh, had an issue of blood subject to bleeding. For 12 years, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. You all, we heard about this woman in the text who has this issue of bleeding, but we really don't understand contextually what this really meant uh, in that day and time. Uh, in the in the Jewish culture, uh, the book of Leviticus actually speaks to uh, the issue of any woman that had a bleeding disorder or any issue of blood, they were considered to be unclean. As a matter of fact, any woman that had any issue of blood, at any point was actually not able to be in contact with anyone during that time where she had an issue of blood. So imagine her for 12 years having this issue that was nonstop. Not only was it probably physically difficult, physically debilitating, but so not only is she dealing with the physical implications of this, but she's also dealing with the social implications of this. Her family. Her friends, the community, they could not be near her. As a matter of fact, if they even touched her, they would be considered unclean. And so this woman had to spend over a decade alone, over a decade without family, over a decade without friends, over a decade literally by herself grappling with the issue of this illness. So she does something. She does something about it. And I'm just grateful that she didn't just kind of lay down and die. She said, I'm going to do what I can. The Bible says she took all the money that she had, all the resources that she had, and she gave it to doctors to help her in her situation. And the Bible says that not only did the doctors not help, but her condition grew worse. Can you imagine being in a situation that's hopeless can you imagine being in a scenario that seems impossible and you don't know which way to turn and you go to those who you believe should be able to help and not only are they not able to help but you actually get worse? It's kind of like hopelessness becomes even more hopeless. And there are many people that are watching, those that are watching on the campuses, those that are here, and you might find yourself in a similar situation like the woman with the issue of blood. Maybe your issue is not a physical one, maybe it's emotional, maybe it's financial. Maybe it's relational. Uh, Maybe it's just an issue of hopelessness. You can't turn on the TV. You can't listen to any media outlet in print or video and, and not be overwhelmed at what's happening in our world, both domestically and internationally. And sometimes, you all, we can almost feel like things are hopeless. And we can go to people that we believe should have the solutions. And when we go to those individuals, they seem to not even help but sometimes make things worse. This woman found herself in the same scenario, and she had this this unbelievable situation that seemed to be beyond uh, any assistance, beyond any help. She had a reality that things are not going to change. And what happens when you realize that things aren't going to change? What do you do? How do you feel? Oftentimes, you feel hopeless. You feel like, man, I want to give up. Nothing's going to change. And there are people that are sitting here, there's those watching on the campuses, and you're really in the situation where you're saying, you know what, I don't know if things will ever change. And I don't even want things to change anymore because the more I'm optimistic and the more I'm hopeful, I end up getting my feelings hurt, I get my hopes dashed. This woman had done all she could to go to those who she thought could help, they couldn't. But she does something else, you all, that transforms the whole story. So not only does she have this, this, this uh, unforgettable reality of her condition, she's ill, she's bleeding, she's gone for help, but she has an unforgettable response to this, and I love her response. The Bible says, and I love this, it says that she, when she heard about Jesus... She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Look at verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. So this woman is hopeless. She's she's tried everything. She's had this issue for over a decade, 12 years now, and she doesn't have any. But she heard about Jesus. And she realized that, wait a minute, is this the same Jesus that I heard that is able to raise the dead? Is this the same Jesus that I heard that is able to, to, to do miraculous works? Well, surely if he can do miraculous works for others, he can do that for me. When she heard that Jesus was nearby, listen, no matter what it cost, no matter what it took, no matter what she had to endure to get to him, she made her way to Jesus. You all, I believe that people that know the the power of Christ, know the power of what Jesus can do, they are not concerned about the oppositions that would keep them from him. Because when you're hopeless and when you have no other alternatives, when you know that Jesus is the answer, you will do everything within your power to get to the answer. This woman decided against probably what the whole town would say to her. "That Woman, stay at home. Woman, you're unclean. As a matter of fact, listen, anybody that touched her, they were considered to be unclean and they had to wait until the evening and wash and do all these ceremonial things before they could even be made clean. But this woman said, you know what? I don't care about the crowd. I don't care about what they'll say about me. I don't care about how they will view me. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make my way to Jesus because I know that if I can get to him, my situation will change. You all, let me tell you something. I love y'all. Y'all are great people. Y'all really are. But can I tell you this? Y'all don't don't scare me. Y'all don't bother me because you know what? I praise God. I praise God and I give God glory because y'all are not there when he heals me. Y'all are not there when he delivers me. Y'all And guess what? I'm not there when he heals you. I'm not there when he delivers you. And so whatever it costs to not be moved by what the crowd will say, you've got to be willing to do it. It's amazing sometimes when people are in worship even, and other people are lifting their hands, and you're like, well, I don't want people to, to look at me a crazy way. I don't want people to think that I'm a fanatic. I don't want people to, you know, we, although we don't say that at the Michigan game. We don't say that at the, at the come on now. We don't, come on. We don't, do, we don't, we don't start thinking at the, at the Red Wings game, I wonder what people are thinking about me for my strange behavior. I've never seen stranger behavior than a bunch of people at a sporting event. I mean, they are the most craziest people in the world about people who don't have any redemptive power in your life. I've never seen it. I thank God for the Red Wings, but the Red Wings have not saved me thank God for the Pistons, but the Pistons have not delivered me. But when I think about Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. Hallelujah. And so you all, it is so important to know that this woman against popular opinion pushed her way through the crowd to make Way to Jesus! When she heard that Jesus was nearby, she did everything within her power to get to him. You all, I thank God for you all. On a hot day when it's the heat index is almost 100 degrees, y'all said to yourself, "You know what? It's hot outside, but it's hotter in hell." And guess what? I'm willing to push through the crowd, push through the the weather, push through the parking, push through the construction on 275. Do whatever I need to do because if I can just get in the presence of Jesus, if I can get where He is, I know that my life will never be the same again. <laughs> Hallelujah. This woman pressed her way. The Bible says she, she she pushed her way through the crowd, she came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his cloak. This woman did not pine away in depression and say, All is hopeless and all is lost realize, no, there's a savior that is able to change my condition. Even though my condition looks hopeless to me, even though my condition looks hopeless to the doctors, it does not look hopeless to God. Even though, listen, even though your situation looks hopeless to you, And even though your situation looks hopeless to other people, maybe professionals, it is not hopeless to God. Even though our nation's situations look really difficult and impossible, it is not impossible with God. The Bible says with man, things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And so this woman does something. She says something that now is the important part of this verse that I want you to hear. She said, she thought, verse 28, because she thought if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. She had no conversation with Jesus. She didn't dialogue with him. She came up from behind him. But, but this is what she thought. She said to herself, if I can just touch his clothes, the King James Version says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know that I will be made whole. This woman has something that we call faith. Faith to believe that God was able to do what no one else could do. You all, we're believers. We are people of faith. And Hebrews 11 says, 11 and 1, faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, and it's the evidence of things not seen. Let me say that again. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and it is the evidence of things not seen. Now, you all. oftentimes we think that, well, substance is substance and we know that substance is substance. This is substance. But God says, no, everything. Listen, everything that has been created, everything that is became from that that is not everything that we see, everything that we know in the material world had its origin with God. In the beginning, God created. So God spoke, and everything that we see, every derivative of it came from God. And so if we ever want to see things change, we cannot go to created things. We've got to go to the creator of the thing. Listen. If you and I, listen, if you and I continue to think that the answers and the solutions are in created things, we will always miss the miracles of God. This woman realized that created things, a doctor, doctor's uh, procedures and, and, and processes, uh, they could not help her. She realized that the only one that could do this was God. And her faith rose up. And the Bible says, she said within herself, if I can just touch him, If I can touch Jesus, then I know that I will be healed. What is it that you know? Somebody said, what is it that you know that you know that you know that you know that you know? What is it that no one can shake about you? What is it that you know about God that no circumstance can shake? What is it that you know about the nature of God and the ability of God that no obstacle or no mountain or no situation can shake? Could it be? that God is maybe allowing you and I to be in situations that seem impossible, that seem insurmountable, that seem unbelievably difficult, not so he can halt you or stand in the way, but could it be that he's allowed those things to see where our faith is, to see are we willing to believe him, to see if we're willing to trust him when everything says to not trust him, to have hope against hope, to believe when everything says to not believe. I choose to believe. I'm a man of faith. And I encourage you, woman of God, I encourage you, man of God, to be a child of faith. To be like this woman who says, even though the situation is impossible, I still choose to believe. I don't know what you're going through today, but can I tell you something? If you ain't got nothing, you got faith. You might not have a dime in your pocket, but you got faith. And if you got faith, guess what? You can believe that my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Maybe maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe your relationship has gone awry. Maybe your heart has been broken. Maybe you can lean into this truth. I believe that if my mother and father forsake me, God will hold me up. I can believe this, that listen, God will never leave me and he will never forsake me. He says, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. If I can hold on to that truth and to that faith, no matter what's happening in my world, no matter what's happening in my life, I can overcome it because I'm a believer. Listen, hold on. You're not, you're you're not a doubter. You're a believer. You're not a cynic. You're a believer and being a child of God means no matter what the situation is, you you don't respond like other people you don't respond like the world responds you respond like a child of the living god greater is god in you greater is god in you greater is god in you than the enemy that is in the world this woman in the midst of her pain in the midst of her suffering in the midst of her brokenness she crawls through the crowd probably being talked about along the way And there'll be people that will talk about you along the way. Oh, there you are going to church again. What is that about? There you are believing God. What has your God done for you? There you are trusting God. If he was so good, why do you allow that to happen? There'll be naysayers along the way. But she said, forget that because she said in herself, if I can just touch, if I can have an unforgettable touch, then I know my situation will change. She gets behind him. She touches the cloak And the Bible says, and I love this, immediately, say immediately, 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 her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Can you imagine this for, listen, for all these years, bent over in pain, bleeding nonstop at night, bleeding, waking up in the morning, but just just nonstop and one touch of faith changed the entire trajectory of her life immediately the blood dried up and she felt in herself i'm healed listen you all i don't know how it works i just know it works i know that when people encounter god something miraculous happens you all, I travel a lot. I go on a lot of airplanes. And, and I understand the whole idea of lift and, and velocity and wing, you know, the, the wing slant and the air hits it and go. I get it. But I don't get it. I don't know. I still, I'm like, how are we up in the sky? I'm serious, y'all. And then we have Wi-Fi. I know that there's a satellite. I'm just being honest. I, I say, and you all, I know I'm going to go way back. I still don't get the fax machine. I still don't. I know, I know I know, that there are engineers, super smart people here. that can come up and build one. I get it. But I still don't know how I can put a piece of paper in this machine and the same thing come out in Tokyo. I don't get it. But guess what? When I need to fax something, I just do it. I don't know how God does what he does. All I know is that when you touch him, When you touch him, you don't remain the same. Is there anybody here? Is there anybody at Brighton? Is there anybody at Celine that's touched Jesus and your life has not been the same? Is there anybody? Is there anybody? Then give God a praise for touching you. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. He touched me. He touched me. Did he touch you? Did he touch you? Give somebody a high five and say he touched me. Have a seat if you can. Oh, this is better than any Red Wings game. I want you to know that. It's better than any Red Wings, is. She was instantly, immediately freed from her bleeding and she was freed from her suffering. What an amazing story, right? The next verse, here it is. Now listen, so not only did she have, you guys, several things that occurred. She had this unbelievable uh, reality of her situation. She had an unbelievable response to her situation. But look at this realization of what happened. At once, verse 30, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked the question, who touched my clothes? And you all, whenever Jesus asks a question, whenever God asks a question, it's not because he don't know. <laughs> you do know that, don't you? You do, you, do, you do know that when he asks a question, he's not like, so who is that? Who you know? He's omniscient. He knows all, right? And so when God says to Adam in the garden, Adam, where are you? It's not like he didn't know where Adam was. Adam didn't know where Adam was. Moses, what's that in your hand? He didn't. He knew Moses didn't know what he had, and so he says, "Who touched my clothes?" He wanted to begin a dialogue that we would be talking about in 2016. He wanted to open up a a dynamic that he knew had occurred that would give faith to generations to come. He said, "Who touched my clothes?" And look at the bright response of our disciples. Boy, you got to love those apostles. <laughs> you see the people crowding around you, his disciple said, and yet you ask, who touched me? They're saying, Jesus, there are thousands of people all around you, and you're talking about who touched you? Duh. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's important, though. Just because you're in the crowd doesn't mean you came to touch Jesus. Just because you're in the crowd, just because you're in the gathering, just because you're you're gathering together. And listen, let me say to those of you that are in the crowd, thank you for being in the crowd. Thank you for choosing to be in proximity with Jesus. But there's a difference from being in proximity with him and seeking him. There's a difference from saying, I want to be in the crowd that surrounds the Jesus And I want to be the one who touches Jesus. Jesus says, no, I'm not talking about the touch of the crowd. I'm talking about an intentional touch. There's some people on your row who came and they're in the presence of Jesus. The Bible says where two or more gathered in his name, he's there. Jesus is here right now. And there's some people on your row who they're in the crowd, but there's some people that came to touch him. There's some people that came with a purposeful intention to say, I want to encounter God, and I don't want my life to be the same again. And Jesus knew that there was a difference, so he ignored them. It says, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Look at verse 32. He says, "After they say, who? you ask who touched you? Everybody's touching you. No, no. He kept looking around to see who had done it. Finally, then the woman, knowing what had happened, to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. She gave her testimony. She came and trembling, but probably trembling, but feeling all right. You know what I'm saying? She'd been bleeding a long time. She said, I might be a little nervous about this, but I'm nervous and healed. <laughs> I'm nervous and feeling better than I've ever felt. And so she came and she knelt at his feet and began to tell the whole story. We don't know what the story was. We don't know what the whole truth was. But boy, I don't know. Maybe she said, I've been ostracized. I lost my family. My husband left me. I don't know what the dynamics were of the whole truth. But she told him, I, I, I purposed in my heart to find you. And when I found you, I had in my heart the desire to touch you. And when I touched you, immediately I was made whole. She told her testimony. The Bible says in the book of Revelation that we overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And guess what? You've got a story to tell. It may not seem like it's fancy or it's big, but it's, it's your story. And it means that at one point I was here. And because of touching Christ, him touching me, I'm now here. That's a testimony. It means that you came through a test. And on the other side of it, you have a testimony. You're able to share with someone else what encountering God has done. And many of us are ashamed of our stories, aren't we? We're ashamed to tell the backstory. Not every one of us are as good as we are now. Some of us ain't good now either, but that's a whole other story. (laughs) Remember where you were when you were far from God? Remember how dark it was? Remember how selfish and self-centered it was? Remember how much bondage it was? Remember how much addiction it was? Remember how much brokenness it was? And because of Christ, you're able to say, I'm not perfect. I'm not all that I should be, but man, I'm, I'm not what I used to be. I'm not, I'm not all that. I, I know I'm on a journey. I know I've got to get, get some things together, but I can look back over my life. And because of Christ, I can mark that I am made better because I've touched him. Don't let the enemy tell you that you're not all that you need to be because you're not all you want to be yet. Listen, if you have been brought out of anything, you ought to give God the glory. If you have a story to tell that God met you in some kind of way and in some kind of way changed your life, then you have a story to tell. And when you tell that story, someone else who's going through it gets courage by your story. I used to always feel a little bit intimidated standing on stages talking about personal stuff and talking about depression and how I struggle with that and and all kinds of things. And and I would say, man, what are people going to think about me? But then I said, you know, it's not about what people think. It's about what God thinks. And if I can share a little bit of the story of my life and what God by his power is allowing to happen and has allowed to happen, maybe it will give courage. Maybe it will give hope to somebody who's dealing with something similar. And if God can bring the woman out of her issue of blood, maybe he can bring me out of my issue. If God can bring her out of her issue, bring him out of his issue, then maybe God can bring me out of my issue. Is someone in your household waiting for your testimony? Is someone in your workplace waiting for your testimony? Is someone that's close to you, a friend, a neighbor, waiting for you to share your whole truth? This woman decides to tell him what happened. And then Jesus shares these words. And I love these words. He said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. He didn't say I healed you, although we know he did. He said, it's your faith that made the difference. It's what you choose and chose to believe that makes the difference. And you believed that if you could encounter me, things would get better. Now there People in the room and people that are watching that are eternal pessimists. That's just how you're wired. You're a skeptic. And you're listening even to this message. You're saying, well, that's that's nice. But you don't know my situation and you don't really know what's going on in my dynamic. And I've tried the God thing and it doesn't work. I've tried the fate thing and it doesn't work. (laughs) That's like saying I tried eating one time and it didn't work and I stopped eating altogether. Looking at some of you, that's not your story. Oh, that was funny. (laughs) It's true. It's true, right? I mean, you didn't have a bad experience with eating and this is that. Bad experience. No more eating for me. You went to another restaurant. You ate another entree. And some of you, another entree. (laughs) (laughs) Just because things did not go well and go right, it doesn't mean you throw up your hands and don't believe. This woman's faith, it healed her. And could it be, Northridge, that God is waiting on the believing community to believe again? Could it be that God is calling his church, the body of Christ, to awaken and be people of faith again? Not people of fear, not people of doubt, not people of hopelessness, but people of faith. I'm looking at what's unfolding in our country and it troubles me deeply. And if I got up on the stage and start talking about things, it would be too much. and I don't want to talk about it. But I will say this. I thank God for government. We got to have government. Government without government is anarchy. But can I tell you something? Government is not going to change the hearts of men. I thank God for the political process. People died that we would have the right to be able to vote. And we need to exercise that American right. But no matter who sits in the White House, that is not going to change the condition of hearts. Whoever's making public policy and law, a lawless people don't care about law. Duh. The only thing that can make a lawless person right is when God changes their heart and they begin to love. And that's where we come in. That's where we come in. We are the people of faith, a community of faith, and it is our faith that will make us whole. It is our faith that will once again restore hope and restore faith that God is able to do what he promised he'd do, but it's up to us to believe again. So in the one minute and 19 seconds, (laughs) I'm gonna challenge you to believe. Can I tell you something? If you've got two options to doubt and to believe, those are only two. You know, in the same space, you can respond to life two ways. "Ah, I don't think it'll happen, or I believe it will. Same space, one, you know the outcome. Depression, anger, negativity. The other one, hopefulness, uh, optimism. Since you ain't, listen, since the situations ain't changing, at least lean on the side of faith. I'm broke. I've always been broke. I only know broke. Okay. So you could say, and I think I will remain broke forever. That's a very depressing story. But how about this one? I'm broke. I've always been broke. All I know is broke. I don't want to be broke. God says I don't have to be broke. I'm going to believe I'm not going to stay broke. Let me say this and I'm done. One of the reasons that we have to be careful is that we don't have formulas, right? We can't say I'm doing this and I expect God to do that because we oftentimes have wrong motives. The Bible says in James that sometimes we pray and we pray amiss because our our intentions or our purposes are for selfish gain. Okay, so I want to have money so that I can uh, lord it over somebody. That's a wrong motive. I want to be, listen, Lord, I want you to heal my body from cancer so that I can once again do nothing for you. God, I want a bigger house so that nobody can go in it, and it's just me and myself and I, bigger house for me. Nah, I don't know about that one. What if we decided to turn the desires for healing and the desires for income and the desires for blessing and say, God, would you leverage this to be greater for your glory? Would you leverage the blessing that you've given to me so that I can be blessed to be a blessing? Could you allow me to have that so that I can then turn it around and bless somebody else? Could I be healed when I was about to die about 13 years ago in hospice. I said, God, I don't know if I'm gonna die, but if you choose to wake me up and let me live, when I wake up, I'm gonna preach. And guess what I've been doing? I've been preaching ever since. God is able to turn your situation around, but you gotta be willing to give him the glory when he does it. Is there anybody here that's willing to give God the praise and the glory in advance? Advance faith calls those things that be not like they already were. Is there anybody already healed? Is there anybody already delivered? Is there anybody your relationship is restored by faith? Is there anybody that believes America will be what God? Then can we give God a praise? in advance for what he's going to do. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, God, we love you. We love you. We love you. And God, we are so eternally grateful for the story of this woman. We don't know her name. Oh, but we do know her story. And God, because of the unforgettable touch she experienced, her life was changed and because her life was changed, our lives have been changed by her story. God, would you now allow others' lives to be changed by our stories? Would you allow the story of America to be changed by the church's response to what this nation needs and what our world needs? God, for someone that is here that's far from you, they need to touch you. And our prayer for the person that's here, the ones that are in Brighton, Selene, that are watching and streaming, If you don't know Jesus, just simply just say in your heart, Jesus, save me. Jesus, I surrender. And in that one moment of surrender, you now begin the journey of faith. You are part of God's family. And God, we thank you for the courage it took for them to even pray that prayer. Now, God, let your kingdom come and your will be done in us as we become people who experience the unforgettable touch of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Come on, give God praise in the room. Hallelujah. Come on, do a little bit better than that. He's so worthy. Hallelujah. Those of you that pray to ask Jesus into your life, we're so grateful. And those of you that are visiting and others of you that may have specific prayer requests, right inside of the bulletin, there's just a little tear off. Please give us your information. Give it to one of our guest services right outside of every exit. We want to be able to get back with you. God bless you. God keep your Northridge. We love you. Remember, unforgettable Jesus, unforgettable touch. Let's walk in it.